all hail the power of Jesus' name. Thus, the chosen theme song for Here I Stand. And for anybody who may be out there listening, welcome to this podcast, uh, this very first podition of Here I Stand. My name is Stephen Long, and I am the voice behind the microphone of this podcast. Uh, This afternoon, uh, for the very first ever edition of Here I Stand, it probably won't be very long as far as podcasts go, and I'm just going to take a few minutes to give a little bit about myself, tell you a little bit about myself, uh, uh, discuss what I believe, and talk about some of the future things you may hear on Here I Stand. Uh, let's just get things rolling a little bit here. Uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to read a, before I continue on what I want to do, I want to read a news story to you. Uh, I'll tell you what, our legal system is just in such a mess right now. And news story of a pastor who was in California, and because he's a pro-lifer, i.e. he is against abortion, he received jail time. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that happened here in good old U.S. of A. So I just want to read this story to you very quickly, uh, just to kind of show you what kind of a shape our country is in and where our country is heading. Uh, you can find this news story at uh, onenewsnow.com slash legal slash default dot ASPX. Uh, but anyway, the story goes like this. It uh, says, California pro-life counselor and pastor Walter Hoy has received a jail term for peaceful work outside an abortion clinic to try to save the lives of unborn babies. Hoy was found guilty of violating a local ordinance that dictates that he must stay at least eight feet away from anyone entering the clinic. He was found guilty... Now get this part. This is the part that really goads me. He was found guilty even though video demonstrated that he did not violate the law. Dana Cody of Life Legal Defense Foundation says Hoy was ordered to jail for 30 days, fined $1,130, and placed on probation for three years. Now explain something to me. How in the world can somebody who has video evidence not just eyewitness testimony, but video surveillance and video evidence showing that he is innocent be found guilty even though he didn't violate the law. Well, because, the reason why is because, one, it's in California, which is about the most liberal state here in America, and number two, because people hate Jesus Christ. They hate the gospel, they hate to hear that what they're doing is sin, and they will do anything whatsoever in order to shut Christians up. And here, this man was not being obnoxious, he was not uh, harassing anyone, he was simply offering an alternative to abortion, simply offering help, saying, hey, there's other options out there, you don't have to abort your baby, you don't have to kill your child, there's other options out there, but yet, the judge sentences him to 30 days in jail, and $1,130, and placed on probation for three years, now, I'm sorry, but there are people who do much more severe crimes than quote-unquote harass people at an abortion clinic and get much less time. 
And I know this because I used to work in the legal system for about four years. And I was a sheriff deputy, and I worked in the jails, and I saw people come in for armed robbery, and people come in for theft, and they would be doing 60, 90 days in jail, and getting a year's probation, you know. So, I think it's a real pity when you have a pastor who's trying to not destroy life, but save a life, and yet he is sentenced to 30 days in jail. That just really gets my goat here. Well, uh, it says here that uh, Cody tells One News Now that several witnesses testified to the pastor's character, and the judge read through a stack of letters praising Hoy. And here the judge says publicly, I think that Walter is a decent man. And based on these letters, I have a very high opinion of him. But this law exists, and it must be followed. And what law was that? That Hoy approached somebody going into a clinic and stood closer than eight feet to the person? So because he stood eight feet in front of a person or closer than eight feet to a person, he gets 30 days in jail, and he gets fined $1,100, and then three years probation. Now, I wonder, just curious, what that judge might have sentenced somebody else who might have come in for, well, let's just say, a robbery or petty theft. I wonder if he would have been as hard on them. Now, maybe I'm being a little bit unfair, okay, because I don't know the judge, and yeah, I can't say what he would and wouldn't have done, but seriously, come on. The guy's here trying to save lives, and they give him 30 days in jail. To me, that is just uh, absolutely ridiculous, and it is appalling to think that something like this could happen in the United States of America. But, you know, what else are you going to do? There's really not a lot we can do. And we know that those in the world are opposed to God. They are opposed to anything that is righteous. Anytime somebody tells them that what they're doing is unrighteous, they get offended and they strike back. And that is exactly how it was from the beginning of time when man hated God. That's exactly how it was when Christ was here on earth, and that is exactly how it will continue to be until Christ comes back and judges the world and sets things right. So what are you going to do? Well, regardless of everything that happens, we know that God is still in control of everything. We know that our God reigns. He is supreme, he sits on the throne, and he is sovereign over everything that happens. Even the seemingly bad stuff. And that, that is a comfort to the believer, and it should be a comfort. Because despite all the hostility and despite all the hatred for Christians that is being expressed out there in the world, God still has it under control. Which moves me on to my next point. Uh... Just moving on to better things now, I just want to discuss a little bit about what we can expect to hear from this podcast. And one of the things that I will focus on a lot, probably, is the sovereignty of God. I believe in the complete and sole sovereignty of God. God is sovereign over everything, including the small details of our lives. Now, what I find funny is that a lot of Christians that I have met, or a lot of Christians that I've read, read books from, or things like that, 
state that they do believe in the sovereignty of God. And you'll ask them, well, hey, you believe in the sovereignty of God? Oh, yeah, absolutely, I believe in the sovereignty of God. Until you begin to ask them if they believe in the sovereignty of God over certain things. And a lot of times they will get offended, and uh, we all know what that is. It seems that when the subject of the sovereignty of God over salvation pops up, then people quickly get offended by that. Well, I am a total believer in the sovereignty of God over all things, including sovereignty over salvation. And uh, that should tell you a little bit about what I believe. I adhere to Reformed theology. Uh, it's called Calvinism by some people, called Reformed theology by others. Call it what you will. Uh, the best way to describe it is with the TULIP acronym. And TULIP, yes, like the flower TULIP, is an acronym that describes and uh, basics what I believe. And it's uh, T for total depravity, U for unconditional election, L for limited atonement, I for irresistible grace, and P for perseverance of the saints. I adhere to each of these doctrines. I believe that Scripture clearly and unambiguously teaches these doctrines. If I did not believe that, I would not adhere to them. Yet, it, this very issue is being debated amongst Christians and in churches today, and even dividing some churches. So I think it's an important. So I think that it's important that uh, we talk about them. And on future auditions of Here I Stand, we probably will tackle some of them. Why? Well, because I think that uh, many of the doctrines are either one misrepresented purposely or two misrepresented ignorantly but either way those opponents of Calvinism should uh, take the time to read and actually find out what a Calvinist believes before they attack and accuse us of being heretics or being some kind of a people who are trying to detract from the glory of God when in fact we are doing the opposite. We are trying to raise God's glory and trying to exalt the glory of God in all things. And uh, one of the ways that we do this is to focus upon the sovereignty of God over everything, including salvation, simply because when it comes down to it, Scripture teaches that man really doesn't have a choice. Salvation is of God. It is God's plan. It is what God wanted. God sets out to accomplish what he will, and no human will, and no human decision, and no human choice will ever thwart God's plans. Now, unfortunately, because we believe this, we are often accused of making God some type of an arbitrary or a cosmic bully. Somebody who just makes decisions based upon a whim and has no real reason for making the kind of decisions that he makes. And again, this is a falsehood. This is not true. Uh, Calvinists will just simply assert that it is God's good pleasure in making these decisions. And that is exactly what Scripture teaches according to Ephesians 1.4. And so, once again, these issues are important. They should be discussed. And I certainly welcome your comments, your questions, and your feedback. 
And you can find a comments link at the bottom of each podcast edition. Just uh, leave your name and uh, your question or your comment. And as soon as I can, I will get back to you. However, I would just like to point out that at present, I am working two part-time jobs as well as associate pastoring. And on a weekly basis, making time for my wife and my children, as well as preparing for sermons and Sunday school lessons. So I uh, do stay quite busy. And so if I don't answer you right away, please do not be offended. Please do not uh, think that I'm trying to avoid you. But I am quite busy, and one way or another, I promise you, I will get back to you, whether it be through a typed response, or whether it be for a recorded response on this podcast. Okay, I want to move on to something else now, and what I want to do is just uh, give you a little brief testimony about uh, how I came to know the Lord. I think it's important that people give their testimonies, and I think it's important that every believer do have a testimony. I mean, obviously, a person cannot claim to be saved without knowing what they're saved from. And so I just want to take a couple of minutes and very briefly give you my testimony. Okay, just to be somewhat brief here, uh, a little bit about myself. I was born into a Christian home like many young people. And my parents took me to church faithfully every week. I heard the gospel as a child. I was exposed to the gospel week in and week out. And when I was a teenager, I kind of rebelled against that, as, again, most teenagers do. Well, in my late teens and in my early 20s, I was introduced to fantasy role-playing games. And you may have heard of them, Dungeons and Dragons and Warhammer and things like that. I had always been fascinated by supernatural things when I was a child. Even as a young kid, I remember being fascinated by magic and by ghost stories and spiritism and things like that. And so this was something that really caught my attention, uh, these fantasy role-playing games. So I was introduced to it. Uh, I want to say I was around 19 or 20, uh, somewhere, somewhere in that age range. But I had a friend of mine who just kind of called me up one night out of the blue and asked me what I was doing. And when he told me what they were doing, I decided to go over and join them. And the game that I was introduced to is called Vampire the Masquerade. It was very, very popular out west and made its way over here on the east coast. Uh, So the object of Vampire the Masquerade is to, well, role play a vampire. And as a vampire, you have lots of power and can do lots of stuff that people would be fascinated to do. And so that's what we did. And so for several years, I indulged my fantasies through role-playing. And during that time, I met a young lady who was a practicing witch, and she was a practitioner of Wicca. I kind of went to her privately and because I was very fascinated with it and asked her that if she would kind of teach me a few things. My main interests were tarot cards and uh, making runes as what she did and so she began to teach me but thankfully to the sovereignty of God he only let me get my feet wet a little bit and it wasn't long after that that I was invited to a Sunday evening service by my brother who had been saved just a couple of months before and of course immediately after he got saved he began to give the gospel to me and I wasn't interested But uh, when I found out that two of his friends were going, who were also my friends that evening, I decided that I would go and kind of 
quote-unquote hang out, hang out with my buddies, and hang out with his buddies. And so I went that evening. The preacher was giving the sermon, and one of the verses that he quoted really got my attention. And it was from uh, the book of Proverbs, I believe, or the book of Psalms. And it stated that the worship of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. And that caught my attention because the way he explained it was the fact that when lost people come into church and they act like they're okay with God and they're really not, how God really detests and reject their worship. And I knew at the time a lot of the things that I was doing was wrong and it was sin, but I didn't really care, you know. I mean, hey, after all, I was, as Ephesians 2.2 2 said, dead in my trespasses and sin. So I really didn't give a hang if I offended God or not. But that night, God got my attention with that. And the preacher began to explain about what the fruit of a saved person would look like and how it would be manifest in their life. And he began to explain what the fruit of a lost person looks like and how it would be manifest in their lives. And when he got finished giving that description, I knew exactly that I was lost. And of course, I argued with myself, and I kept telling myself, oh, no, 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 I walked an aisle as a kid. When I was a, a child at church, I remember going down and, and saying a prayer, and I even remember being baptized. But you know what? Despite the fact that I was arguing with myself, I knew. I knew for a fact that I was lost. And in that moment, I realized exactly what sin was. Now, I had always known what sin was. You know, cognitively, I knew what sin was. I knew it was violating God's command. But at that time, for the first time in my life, it hit me that my sin actually offended God and that my sin was what was going to send me to hell. And I'll be truthful with you. I walked forward and went down the aisle. I, to this day, I cannot tell you what prayer I prayed. I cannot tell you even what the guy said to me and what verses he showed me out of the Bible. I just remember just being extremely frightened, extremely scared. Uh, I was very, very emotional. I couldn't even hardly speak and pray through, you know, through my tears. And but I do know one thing. When I got up off the floor that evening, I knew. I knew for a fact that I was a new creation. I mean, I just I just knew it. I knew something was different. I can't explain what I felt, but I knew I was different. I knew I was. And from that time on, God really began to work in my life and began to make me a new creature, as he is still doing. I'm becoming a new creation every day. And God has eventually led me into the mission field, uh, leading me to missions now, I should say. We're not on the mission field yet, but my family and I are in the process of raising support to go to the field, so the mission field. So uh, it's just something that God has worked in my life and something God is doing now. And that was, uh, that was almost 13 years ago. As a matter of fact, on the 13th of next month, it will be exactly 13 years. So 13 on the 13th. So that's an easy way for me to remember my spiritual birth that day. That is just a little bit about uh, what God has done in my life and what he is doing now. Certainly, my family and I look forward to serving God on the mission field as church planners and disciplers.
Uh, we look forward to see what God is going to be doing before we get to the field. And there's a lot to be done, things to be done in all of our lives before God puts us on the mission field full time. And, but we all certainly look forward to that. And that is going to just about do it for this pod edition of Here I Stand. Uh, so please keep your ear and your eyes out for the next edition and we'll be discussing more things and maybe even getting more into the sovereignty of God and especially the sovereignty of God over salvation. So thank you very much uh, for listening and uh, again join us join me again for my next edition. Thank you very much.